Hello and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Today's movie, we are doing the 1984 science fiction thriller, Runaway. In the near future, robots have become part of our everyday lives. They cook for us, they clean for us, they work construction sites, they work security. Occasionally, these robots will malfunction and become a danger to society. That's where the specialized police squad the runaway unit comes in. Tom Selleck plays Sergeant Ramsey, a specialist in the runaway squad, who goes about his tasks of stopping runaway robots. Unfortunately, he soon comes across a conspiracy. Somebody has been reprogramming these robots for murder. A psychopath played very well by Gene Simmons is reprogramming the robots with the specialized chips and turning them to murder. He wants to sell these chips to the highest bidders for assassins and other types of hits to make a fortune. It's up to Ramsey and his new partner to stop him. Okay, so at the end of the day, this is a cop movie. Uh, Yeah, um, from what I was reading, that's exactly what Michael Crichton was going for. Is He wanted to, I guess he posited this very near future in his opinion. He was talking like, you know, two years at most in the future. Um, which, you know, I guess at the time kind of makes sense to digress a little bit. I mean, automation was becoming huge, in, um, especially in the automotive field. Um, the things yes. were being built by robots. So it wasn't, it wasn't really a crazy thought to think, oh, these are going to end up in homes. And we kind of have them in the forms of computers and smart homes, but it still didn't take a while. Anyway, his idea was like, I guess the, the closest equivalent now would be if you did like a chips update but it was the division of the California Highway Patrol that deals with runaway smart cars. You know, like yes, this movie was or something. <clears throat> uh, was written and directed by Michael Crichton, who's most famous probably for writing Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's written and directed other movies, but he this movie was made in 1984, but takes place uh, in 1991. 91, right? So it's it's a world I didn't know that. that's still kind of it's you actually have to if you look at the when when Ramsey's police file comes up, we know he's 35. It shows he was born in 1956. Okay, making the movie take place in 1991. Okay, very good. Like I only knew it was the very near future because Crichton specifically said so. But at the time, or at least what I read, didn't give a date. Well, other than the robots, there's nothing about the movie that's futuristic. Gotcha. Yeah, and these robots, these these aren't humanoid robots like we're used to seeing in the movies. These are very form follows function. They look like right. I mean, they look like they're vacuum droids. cleaners. They look like um, in a Star Wars sense, like less C three PO and more R two D two, and you know the power droids, like all the stuff that was in the Jawa Sand Chrono. Or more like moving copy machines. Mm-hmm. So, like we said, this is written and directed by Michael Crichton, who is a very famous science fiction author. He did Andromeda Strain. He wrote and directed the original Westworld. He wrote and directed Looker before this. He created the TV show ER. I didn't know that. Last um, one. It's oh yeah, mm. yeah. He was a, he actually he wanted to be a writer. But he put himself through medical school in case the writing never took off. He had, you know, <laughs> being a doctor to fall back on. I guess that's something. So, 
Um, like Ken stars Tom Selleck. Everybody knows Tom Selleck. I don't think we really have to discuss what he's been in. Right. Um, it co-stars Cynthia Rhodes as his partner. Um, she's most famous. Well, she's probably not too famous, but she was a dancer. A lot of her credits are dancing movies. She was in Flashdance, Dirty Dancing. She appeared in numerous video uh, music videos as a dancer. I, I, I was surprised to see that she was not in much. No, because she's, she's great in this. No, she's a really good actress. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it is surprising stunned. she didn't get more out of I it. I was stunned. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her in this film. She's great. Uh, Kirstie Alley's in it. She's basically the girlfriend of the villain who kind of gets caught up in all his crooked schemes. And then let's talk about Gene Simmons, who just oh. nails oh. his part of a sociopath. He is a I mean, he knocks it out of the park. He absolutely does. Now, you can say, and rightfully so, that it's over the top. And it totally is, but I love every single second of it. I would change none of it. I adore it. I adore it. When I want he to hug first, it. It's amazing. He's amazing. In this. When he first appears on screen, he doesn't have a single line. But he just he's just okay. walking amongst the crowd. He's he's walking amongst the crowd that's at a crime scene, and you almost there should almost be that evil music sting when he walks on because he's just got the sinister presence the moment you see him. Oh, totally, totally. Like he is, he yeah. Um, in fact, he is straight up literally referred to evil at least three times in this movie. Like, not even as, like, a metaphor. Like, he is specifically stated to be evil by people who know him. And, um, yeah, like, you see it immediately. As soon as he walks in the room, it's like, oh, this guy's evil. <laughs> like, he is, he, like, there's nothing wrong here. <laughs> like, your name is Von this, Doom or something. Oh, it's Luther. Of course it is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this ultimately was his first role. I mean, he had been in a, a movie, but he was just playing himself right. as is member of Kiss. I mean, it was a science fiction, Kiss versus the Phantom of the Park, but still, ultimately, he was playing his character of the demon as Kiss. Mm -hmm. This, he's, you know, and, and I guess he did kind of some method acting. Whenever he was going up against Tom Selleck, he said he would, in his mind, come up with things about Tom Selleck that would irritate him, so he would hate Tom Selleck <laughs> and just be intense with them. Oh, intense. And it works. I mean, he is super intense in this movie. Like, honestly, I put his performance right up there with any of the great, like, truly just arguably hammy, but still amazing, like, villain performances. He's fantastic in this. And again, I'm not even really a Kiss fan. Like, I don't know much about Gene Simmons at all, uh, except for Kiss, right? But yeah, he's tremendous in this. He, he kind of steals the movie in, in, in a way. Or at least, like, he brings it home. He, he's fantastic. Uh, we also get G.W. Bailey, who plays the you know police captain, yes. typical captain in a police movie, always having to yell at everybody. But of course, he's had experience. He was in almost all the police academy movies. I believe the first one in '84, so he might have been filming it at the same time. He, he very Mel White of. He was also in uh, very uh, regular in the TV show The Closer, and. Uh, another great little movie that we'll probably end up doing, Warning Sign. Oh, yes. Yes. Where he is actually, unfortunately, the one responsible for unleashing the virus. Yeah. And um, talk about an ending that is unexpected. You know, I mean, spoilers, but I guess I won't say it. But yeah, talk about an unexpected ending to such a movie is all I'll say about that. <laughs> 
Um, we have Stan Shaw, who's kind of the technical advisor to Tom Selleck and Cynthia Rhodes. You might recognize him from Monster Squad, where he plays the partner of the dad. And uh, he was in Daylight as the ill-fated security guard in the tunnel and numerous other movies. Uh, Very quickly, because I've done this so many times and I might as well do it on this podcast live if I screw it up again. Warning, Sam. That's the Sam Waterston one, right? Sam Waterston, yes. Yeah, I got the right movie. Okay, yep. Yeah, we should totally do that. I I, I remember seeing it fairly recently and it does hold up, or at least I still enjoyed it anyway. And um, Chris Melky is one of the per- people who worked for Gene Simmons creating the chip. He was one of the deputies in First Blood. He's in Time Writer, which is a movie we'll get to. And he's also in The Hidden as the first host of the alien creature that robs the bank at the very beginning of The Hidden. Not to mention the other, um, the other entity that's involved in making the chip, Texas Instruments, believe it or not. I'm just kidding, but that is a. I'm pretty sure that's a Texas Instruments logo on the chip. <laughs> they don't mention it. I don't know if that was good or bad advertising for TI. <laughs> well, supposedly, and I know nothing about computers today, let alone computers about 1984. But apparently, it was a very common chip, so it yeah. may have just been a, a Texas instrument chip. They put a red stripe on to say. This is an evil chip. Oh, sure. Well, also, uh, well, I mean, the red stripe thing is common, especially like for prototyping stuff. But sometimes it's just, you know, to identify a given batch. So it's totally valid. Like, really, this, the size of this movie is actually pretty good. Um, and the thing, like what he's looking at at the very beginning, Tom Selleck is an ancient um, board routing tool. He's essentially, he's essentially looking at a PCB, but rendered on the uh, computer as a schematic. So there's lots of like... Like I've told you multiple times when I talked about when I was talking up this movie, it's like I was basically the target demographic for this movie. It's got all the awesome robotics. It's got all the cool computer tech stuff. Uh, he's afraid of heights. Like it's just, you know, I, I love this movie yeah. so much. Uh, and, In 1984. I watch it again. I'm like, oh, I love this movie. In, in 1984, personal computers were a thing, but most people did not have them. Oh, and I was famously and... successful. You know, really, they were a, a, a MacGuffin for many movies like War Games mm-hmm. and another great movie of around the same time. You know, they were almost magic. Yes. They could do almost anything, and we bought it because we didn't know. Yeah, like, oh, sure, you can do that with the computer. Sure, you can make a woman appear magically, be and she's Kelly LeBrock. Sure, wait, <laughs> science, why not? Yeah. This, well, the science, I mean, Crichton, again, he didn't stretch anyway. Um, the, the science behind this movie is pretty good for the most part. Like, I don't know too much about the uh, bullet dynamics of his magic bullets or whatever, missiles technically. But, you know, again, well, the so science is pretty get, good. Let, let's get to that. We'll just, we'll start with the robots. And like we said, these are not, you know, humanoid looking robots. They're very, very crude because they're built to be housekeepers. They're in the industrial- robot, they... We're, we're introduced to their job when they have to chase down a little mini thresher that's run amok in a cornfield. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they describe that the, the cops of the runaway unit, these robots malfunction and they're dangerous, but it's very rare that anybody is killed by a malfunctioning robot. So that's why it's a big thing when they get their first real call that there's been a fatality and they're like, Really? There's so they rush off 
and a housekeeping robot has gone amok and has killed several people in a home and only the baby's alive and Tom Selleck has to gear up and go in to stop the robot and rescue the baby. He says when he's when he's first introduced to his partner played by Cynthia Rose, right, how quickly that kind of points out most of the time all they have to do is flip a switch. Right. But Gene Simmons has come up with the way to turn them into killers. Yeah, and that's um I mean that's ultimately his plan. Like he's um the idea here is that he's worked with a couple of engineers because um, he's, uh, you know, they, they've rattled through his whole thing later. Like he, he's a very smart guy himself. He's very much a supervillain. Like if this was, this could have just as well been a comic book or a comic book adaptation um, in that sense. Cause he's got very much like the supervillain background or a uh, rich guy um, turns to villainy because, <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, so anyways, he's, he's built these chips with these two other guys in order to sell them to the black market. I mean, he lists off the people who he named, and it's basically like, you know, rogue agents, uh, terrorists, the mafia. Um, yeah. He never takes his role over the top. No, not quite. He never turns this into a hammy supervillain role. No, in fact, it's very, like, I kind of, again, I really dig how he does this movie. Uh, very, very sort of understated, but also very overstated at the same time. Like, he does everything with just his... I don't know, just as glare. And I guess for the most part, uh, like you said, method acting, but I guess um, from what he said is that Michael Crichton gave him very little direction in terms of the, basically he just said, you know, you can play the character however. Uh, Michael Crichton, I guess, really just saw something in him to allow him to do all that. And I don't know how much of it is true, who really knows, but sure, you know. Um, and, and he does just such a great job with it. And uh, yeah, anyway, back to the plot, right? He's using these uh, chips, which are to essentially turn, like, again, potentially everyday robots that are in basically anyone's house into uh, killers or even explode or whatever evil thing you want to do with them. And now um, he's turned one of his engineers home robots against him to basically, you know, wipe them out of the uh, wipe them out of the evidence trail. Yeah, he's covering his tracks. And one of the other things he uses, which is probably the most sci-fi element of the movies, he's got this special gun. Mm -hmm that will launch a guided bullet mm -hmm. that will track a specific person's heat signature. Missile technically, I guess, but yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's uh, it's this little like black dot that zips around corners at like 90 degree angles, um, goes pretty far. But what becomes an important plot element later is that they're tied to a person's specific heat signature. Uh, because what happens is Officer Ro uh, Thompson, rather, almost admit, uh, Cynthia Rose's character, Officer Thompson, gets hit by one, but since it's not tuned to her heat signature, um, there's this kind of cool scene where um, Selleck has to go ahead and, and dig it out. Yes, it's a very cool, basically it's a bomb disposal scene where his partner's got the bullet, she's got it lodged in her arm. It has, like you said, it hasn't detonated and he's got to basically put on his bomb gear and get it out before it takes her arm off. Right. And the reason why he's doing it specifically as opposed to robots, which are in the future and fairly common, is that he points out that these robots weren't very reliable to begin with, much less this old one that you know may not have been maintained, is I guess the implication. Yes, it, it seems like even though robots have been integrated into society, they're still, for the most part, a relatively, almost like computers mm -hmm. in 1985. People had them, we understood them, but most people still weren't maybe comfortable with them and you know, still relatively new technology. Because another one they go, and like any machine, is sort of to... failure. 
And he knew that. Like basically, he's an engineer, right? At this, in, in a sense, and uh, he's like, "Hey, these things are prone to failure. Like this, you know, they're not they're not meant to deal with anything better than they're programmed with." And this thing, I guess, even on its best day, isn't great. So, a human still has. Yes. So it's not that far. Like you're pointing out, it's like it's not that far into the future where um, you know such readily available, basically perfect technology would have been able to do this. There's a scene where they go to a construction site because the stacker robot is. Unfortunately, stacking the... I love this scene, too. I guess they're cement bags, but he's stacking them over the edge and they're just dropping down. It's stacking where there's so, nothing, no place to stack. They go in, and of course, it's established that Tom Selleck is terrified of heights. Mm-hmm. So his partner is the one that goes up. And again, it's just as simple as her having to shut off the robot. Well, what I like, too, about that scene, um, and this, again, this is like 1980s action hero. Like, this is an action movie, an action thriller, right? So Tom Selleck, theoretically, although we don't know it yet, Tom Selleck is theoretically the John McClane, the John Matrix, the Sylvester Stallone slash Schwarzenegger Adams slash Willis slash whatever of this movie, right? But he couldn't cut a more different possible pro, uh, uh, archetype than any of those guys. Like he's vastly yeah, w- different from any of them. He's just a dude. I would compare him more to the um, Don Johnson in Miami Vice or... T.J. Hooker, right? Don, uh, uh, William Shatner and T.J. Hooker, as opposed to any of the the action heroes we would get a little later, right? Because like, because like, what I love about that scene, and and I can totally empathize, is that they're like, oh yeah, it's up here on the 18th floor. Now this is a building under construction, so they're going to go up an elevator, like a wide open elevator to a wide open floor, you know, 18 stories or whatever up. And he's looking, and you can see the terror on his face. And Thompson, and his partner, is like why don't I take this one? And he, without hardly missing a beat, is like, yep, you go ahead. <laughs> you know, I love that about it. Like, he's so vulnerable on that point. It was just like, ah, yeah, yeah, you do it. Because I'd been the same. I'm just like, sure, okay. This is what, your second day? Yeah, you got this. Because I'm no way I'm going up there. I'm just not, you know. I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you, Ramsey. I am totally with you on this one. I thought that was a really cool kind of scene because, like, you could tell he was terrified and he's totally like, sure, yeah, go. Like, that's not John Matrix, man. Like, you know, they would have scaled the building themselves. He's just like, yeah, you do it. It's cool. Yeah, We're good. We're exactly. Good. He, he's, he's vulnerable. He spends, him and his partner, they spend most of their time dressed in police uniforms. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's very uncommon is he has a great relationship with his young son. He's not one of those from a flight of an action. Yes, he's he's not one of those common everyday action heroes that are usually like not remotely. Oh, you know they never see their kid, and when they do, the kid's like, "Oh, are you going to leave again?" No, we're going to go to that baseball game tomorrow, Tommy. I promise. And of course, as they go into the baseball game, he gets the call and he has to go action hero. No, no, no. In this movie, he's really he's there to tuck in his son. He's just a dad. Yeah. He's great. I mean, we know his wife was killed in a car accident, which is a bit cliche. Sure. And he has a robot. Oh, and made. the partner's immediately in love with him. But granted, it's 1984, Tom Selleck. So, you know. Yeah, well, geez, I think even 2020 Tom Selleck <laughs> sure. has people, still. has women falling to their knees. But still, it's like, you know, I get it. I get it. But that's but yeah. the movie as well. Like, let's not forget, this is a movie, <laughs> you know. He's got almost the the father's knows best courtship of Eddie Spider dynamic with his son. Totally, totally. In fact, I love, and this is skipping ahead a bit, I guess, um, unless we just want to get to that plot point. But one of my favorite things about this movie 
is the is that scene between him and his son um, uh, Jesse uh, right when he's in bed, and this is after he had taken the well. I guess we're well, I guess we're there. So he, this is after he had taken out the um, the shell of uh, the uh, the missile, right? And he had sworn he had sworn on uh, camera because like the 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 you know the press had shown up when he was there to take the bullet out. This is just after I guess. Let's talk about that part, right? Um, at some point, they figure out that, oh, uh, there's this guy, Luther, and we think we, we know where he's going to be with a bunch of these uh, mafios or somewhat, some bad guys anyway to buy the technology. So they're holed up in this, um, uh, in the Ritz, or the Ritz Carlton, rather, because, oh, Kirstie Alley, we skipped the Kirstie Alley part. Let's, you go ahead. This is, you know, you know what you're doing. You do this, and I'll just follow along. Well, I mean, at one point, they meet Chris, Kirstie Alley. They find her, and they're investigating. They're investigating Luther at his in place of employment, Vectron, Vectron or whatever Vectron. the place is called. And mm-hmm. while they're there, they find out there's a runaway security robot on one of the floors above them. And they get up there, and Kirstie Alley is basically trapped by the security robot. It won't let her out of the office. It can only basically tase people. It can only sting, and... except to just sting. It's be annoying. They get up there and he's like, oh, we'll get you out because Tom Selleck is immediately taken by Kirstie Alley yeah. and he wants to be all macho and go in and rescue her, which, which is he does. Scene. Yeah, that's a fun scene. Um, you know, they're all like, well, don't you want to put on your anti... No, 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 I got this. Well, don't you want... No, 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 I got this. And of course, he gets stung by it. He gets mad, throws his car over and smashes the robot. The security guards are like, you didn't have to destroy it. Right. But anyways, this is where we meet Kirstie Alley, and it turns out she's in there because she's trying to steal these chips and the templates for the chips for her boyfriend, Luther. Right. Um, so from that, they find out about the uh, hotel thing that I just alluded to. So now Ramsey's squad, and this is kind of an interesting part, um, as uh, you know, the sergeant later points out, or the captain later points out, like, it's not really a runaway investigation so much anymore. Like now it's like a, it's an arms deal, basically. Um, it's murder and it's, yeah, arms yeah. dealing. <clears throat> but at any rate, like, you know, Ramsey kind of like, you know, gets ahead of it. Um, things get blown, obviously, you know, Luther escapes. Um, Cynthia gets shot with a uh, missile meant for someone else. So it doesn't blow up in her arm and that's where they're removing it. And at any rate, at the scene where... Um, uh, the scene where Ramsey finds out that Thompson's been shot and he realizes what the police are about to do with that, uh, you know, failing year old clunky robot. He's like, you know, I'll take it out myself. But more importantly, he's like really upset. He's, he's pissed. He swears. He's, he says like, fuck, I didn't think shit, right? Might be the only two or three swears in the entire movie. And uh, the captain's like, you know, we're on air. Like, because, you know, the press had just shown up. So after he's diffused the thing and he later goes home, the kid's like, you didn't really mean it, did you, Dad? And I'm like, what is he? I had to like, I had to actually rewind it to just make sure that they were talking about what I thought they were talking about, and they're legitimately talking about the fact that he swore on TV. <laughs> I thought that was adorable. Those things you said I can't say. I'm like, what did he say? Like he was gonna kill something? Like what? And I realized, like, oh yeah, it's because he swore. <laughs> I just thought that was fucking cute. That's the thing with this movie. It goes wild because there's like acid spewing robots that set people on fire. You know, <laughs> guns being shot and exploded in the back of dudes' backs. Families being cut up by marauding robots. And then you got like, dad. <laughs> well, this, and again, it goes to show that Ramsey wants to be a good dad. And right. he is he's just a, a cop. Dad. He's just he's trying good. to be a cop. 
he's a beat cop who who wants to go home to his son and raise his son and have a family and he manages to pull it off and this is 84 like imagine if this became the action archetype imagine um, and he was the one inside nakatomi plaza i would love to see that movie I, I do want to talk about the other groups of ro uh, robots that uh, Luther has designed. These little spider yeah. robots that are probably about the size of a shoebox. They skitter around and they spray acid or inject acid into people and then they explode. Yeah. yeah. So they're these little assassination drones he sends out everywhere. And they're pretty creepy themselves. Yeah. This almost feels like, in that sense, it almost feels like this movie was a really well uh, done adaptation of a good, like Capcom game. <laughs> you know, this could have almost been a cop TV series. Yeah, with this being like a season finale episode. Oh, yeah, Netflix picked this up. They could have lots of fun with the robots. But the thing is, they'd overdo it, and Ramsey would be like too cool. And I don't want him to be too cool. I love Tom Selleck in this movie. I love this character. It is, there's nothing like it in an action movie. I mean, maybe there is. Like people who have better memories than I do could probably name five, right? And, and hopefully if you're listening, you know, say so. But like, I don't know. He's like the anti-Cobra. Like we just watched Cobra, right? He couldn't be more different from Cobra. Oh, that's what I love about he's, him. He's by the book. He's friendly. Yeah. He's charming. He's a good dad. And even when he gets angry, he doesn't get any more angry than your average person who just is in such a terrible situation that he does flip out and swear. Like his partner has a bomb lodged in her arm. His captain's yelling at him because the bad guy has gotten away. He's got the press asking all these stupid questions. Of course he flips out and swears. And, and he didn't do anything that any one of us hasn't wanted to do to that, dro to that security drone. That security drone had it coming. <laughs> And we all know that computer that's had it coming and needs like a chair to the face every so often. You know? There's a great scene where, where after they've, they've basically arrested Kirstie Alley because they realize she's in on it. And now they want to move her to a safe house because Luther has killed his other two accomplices and she's got the chips and templates so they're in two police cars, which are robot-driven, mm -hmm. and they end up getting chased by, obviously, other people in Ramsey's employ who start sending these little remote control bombs after their car Luther. on the highway. Yep. So what looks like regular Crown Victoria police cars, all of a sudden you start seeing that the windshield and the rear windscreen will change into, you know, basically displays coming up that, you know, we're being locked on and, you know, evasive maneuvering and it counts down as these bombs get closer. And at one point they decide that they have to move from one car to another. So there's this high speed, you know, not only is it a chase scene where they're being chased by bombs, now they have to move from one speeding car to another to in order to escape because there's just too many bombs coming at them right and that that uh, technology seems to posit that at least uh which are funny because drones are relatively new but at least it seems like the police had been dealing with something along those lines for a while smart sort of drones bombs that sort of thing which kind of makes sense because that that's like the most sci-fi the movie really gets probably that scene in particular yes um they do become 
he does have a laser gun. Oh yeah, that little. But again, yeah. it's it's not. It's almost like a disruptor gun. Like right. it's used specifically to overload the robots. This right. isn't something you're going to shoot a guy with and. Right, you get the impression. You know, impression it's not very effective against flesh. Right, and and in the in the film poster, you see Tom Selleck. He's actually holding yeah Luther's gun. He yeah. never holds Luther's gun, but <laughs> yeah. and they also have him in his his bomb defusal getup to Pain make mail. it look more sci-fi because he's you know, now he's got the sci-fi outfit. It's almost a pretty red poster, like a, actually. Uh, a Buck Rogers, but. Yeah. It's kind of misleading. It is it's misleading. Kind of misleading. Yeah, it is. It gives you the impression that this is going to be some sort of like action bonanza. Um, and if that's what you're in for, then no, this movie isn't it. But it's still a great movie. Well, I still enjoy the hell out. The, again, there's plenty of action, but it's really more of a cop. It's not bl- versus yeah. a cop versus serial killer because he also gets plenty of times where Luther calls him up and taunts him and says, "This is where we're going to yeah. do it." And there's one that part of the movie that... Ramsey, that was, that's a cool scene. I, I always like his elevation there where he, where he throws the coat over the thing. When they figure out, like, okay, he's tapped in and he can... See. He's tapped into the police precinct security cameras, so he's yeah. watching Ramsey, and Ramsey's like, cover that camera. Yeah, and, and like, he said, that wasn't very nice. That's really cool. I know. That's, a, that's, a, that's like, yeah, I, I still get chills from that. He's so creepy yeah. in this. He's so good. I know you're trying to trace the call, Ramsey. It won't work. I'm using a mobile phone. Yeah. Gasp! A oh, mobile what? phone. <laughs> Yeah, it's eight feet high. It, se- it, it seemed to be the one piece of technology the police weren't prepared for was Luther to use a mobile phone. I mean, in 1984. Although they had to, all they had to do is look for the guy with the 20-pound phone. I could, yeah. You know. The World War II field phone. Right. Um, okay, so, yeah, like, uh, where are we up to now? Um I guess we're ready towards the end. Like we can get to the dinner scene. Well, there's a tense standoff in a restaurant where, you know, after they've escaped the bombs, they go to a restaurant waiting for backup. And spoiler, maybe if they're going to go there. Luther gets, is able to get a hold of uh, Selleck's partner. And he wants to exchange her for Kirstie Alley and the, chips and templates the templates so this unfortunately you know again they try to do the exchange it's a crowded restaurant they lose sight of Kirstie Alley uh things go wrong Luther escapes again but this time he escapes and he you know kidnaps Ramsey's son which leads to the final confrontation where Luther, obviously, I don't know where he gets the info, but obviously he knows that Ramsey's afraid of heights because he ends up luring Ramsey to the top of that construction site they had been on before. Well, we know he was able to tap into the police, so who knows how long he'd been listening to him. This is true. He might have even that might even be in Ramsey's file because right. that's where he finds out Ramsey has a son, and he may have po- gets into his file. He may have Philippe, uh, people on the force. Like if this was really any other movie made, made by anyone now, and definitely if this was a Netflix series, um, his partner, not Thompson. Um, oh, I forgot his name. But anyway, he would have like been double crossing him and working for Luther the whole time by the end of season one. So, like that would have been the other thing. 
that would have been the other big reveal if someone like decided to overdo this movie. Oh, yes. Uh, Stan Shaw's character. Yeah. yeah. Basically their tech guy. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been. Yeah, the... more than likely. Yeah. But then we get, you know, we have this final confrontation with the bad guy. Who's where, a really good know, character, but unfortunately he's not in it much. Um, he's got to deal with his fear of heights. Yep. His fear of his son being captured and possibly killed. Yep. And these terrifying little spider robots that spit acid and explode. Yep. Um. So, yeah, he's going to go up the uh, elevator, which he goes up in much the same way I would, which is clinging to the bottom of it, terrified the whole time. Just like, you know, <laughs> muttering and Tom things. Selleck nails the pretending to be. Oh, maybe Tom Selleck totally. has a fear of heights. I don't believe so. I, I, but he really plays it well. He doesn't go overboard. The The movie itself doesn't go overboard with these special effects of like, you know, it does a little bit of perspective shifting to give you that unease of a height a guy with dealing with the fear of heights but it doesn't do like the vertigo spinning spiraling over the top oh my god i can't do this no whoever advised for that stuff certainly either knows someone or is because i am absolutely very definitely afraid of heights and uh yeah no i feel it every time and every look it's absolutely how i look and absolutely how i or at least how i think i feel at least on my face um, if someone else were to see it and uh, yeah, the way he goes up that elevator, which I give him the courage to do, is pretty much the same way I would, which is absolutely not standing, um, which almost seems like a tactical move in a way. But nope, it's just really I'm just too straight up terrified to do anything else. Like I'm afraid of Ferris wheels, so. <laughs> ladders, you know, hell, uh, I, I get it. And, um, and go ahead. during this final confrontation, at one point, he's got to go underneath the elevator to get it activated he's attacked by the little mini robots with acid sprayed on his face mm -hmm. but more than anything else it's him having to deal with this fear of heights mm -hmm. and when he gets the elevator operating again and starts lowering him back down he is just lying on the bottom of this elevator completely exhausted and it's this great scene where it comes down and then you see luthor come into frame as the elevator lowers to the floor he's on, and Luthor just has this most menacing, evil grin on his face. It's 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 a really well shot. Like, Crichton, I thought, did a really good job with this movie. I mean, the reviews were not great. Certainly, the reviews at the time. Um, some of the more contemporary ones seem to be more favorable. But um, some of the ones where it was just like, there seem to be some complaints about the, you know, kind of tonal shifts of the movie, which I sort of understand. Because, again, it goes from, like, a super sweet, side of it to kind of like dark but almost too far I, again like there were some criticisms of um gene simmons which i sort of kind of get but at the same time like i wouldn't change it kind of makes the movie um there were criticisms of ted danson's acting i i don't get it i think he's phenomenal in this like criticisms of him being too nice which sure but i i kind of dig it you know, it's different. I think you mean Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, like just being too nice, and it's like, I, I, don't know, I, I, I dig it. It's like it's different. Uh, well, again, I mean, this move. The movie was made. Well, it was probably made in 18, in 1983, released in 84. Right, and if it was made in 89, it would probably be a lot different. But well, thankfully, it wasn't. I think the problem is, and even at that point, I think it had become a little too quaint. Because remember, 1984 also gave us the time-traveling killer robot of the Terminator. Yes. Yes. Um, 
Yes. And this is, you know, if, uh, you know, as Beastmaster is to Conan, you could say this is the Terminator. The, you know, action had, you know, kicked into higher gear with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. I think this Red Dawn probably had it, had it come out maybe two or three years earlier, probably would have been a little bit more successful, a little bit more popular. Maybe a little closer to Blade Runner. Exactly. And I also think maybe if they, but again, that was the point. The point was this movie wasn't supposed to be too futuristic. It was supposed right. to still be a very recognizable world, and it was. Right. Yeah. You, you know, still there's is. no flying cars. There's no. You know, the the technology was still very much of its day, except a little bit more advanced. Right. So we also know Tom Selleck took this movie because he was hugely popular in Magnum P.I., but the producers would just not let him take any time off to be in movies, which is why he he was originally cast as Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. but he had to turn the role down because they wouldn't give him the time off to film. So when he did have time off from Magnum P.I., he would anxiously take any project off well not any project offered to him but right. something different anyway. something different and so he jumped on board with this one i'm glad he did and it was a good choice yeah this is a fun movie it's a i mean again the time disagrees with us the 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 uh the reviews of the time disagree with us but i you know i, I liked this movie in probably 85 or 86 when i saw it i, I liked it again and maybe more each time i see it it's so, so much fun it's a definitely a smaller movie. It's something mm-hmm. that had it come out even Quickly a few paced, years too. later, yeah, very brisk. It probably would have been direct to video or a TV of the movie of the week. Mm. It is. It, it's a good movie. It's just not as big and as ambitious as a lot of sci-fi was at the time. No, it is fairly understated. Yeah, for a movie, you know, so much about robots or with the central theme, kind of that or at least seeming to be that, no, it's fairly understated. It's sort of like I mean, great. to, um, you could argue it's almost like going into Blade Runner expecting Star Wars or something like that. Great performances from every single member of the cast. And the effects hold up too. There's not sure. a bad special effect in this movie. Sure, yep. Even the, uh, I mean, even the, 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 the burns and the scars and how jacked up uh, Tom Selleck looks uh, by the end of this movie still get to me. It's still a pretty good effect, the, the makeup effects on him. I mean, so again, obviously this is another movie we greatly recommend. Absolutely. What would you recommend to possibly complement this movie? Um, I suppose you could say really almost... Almost any cop movie with a with a kind of a dynamic villain um, involved in it, and because um, there's nothing again, there's nothing that quite there's nothing that quite hits uh, nearly as many notes for me in this. But um, you know, there are lots of like fun you know buddy cop movies with a twist. Like you know, R.I.P.D. is a, a, a decent movie that has you know um, sort of a police kind of at least I enjoyed it anyway. That shows has sort of like a police feel. Um, in a different time uh, aspect. Um, it, it evokes sort of Terminator, but again, it's kind of like a ch- kinder, gentler version of a series of events where computers have taken over or um, ro- you know, we've relied too much on robotics, that sort of thing. Um, 
uh, yeah, you know, I'm always bad with these recommendations. Um, All right. Well, then I'll go because obviously, like we said, this is a cop movie. So I would compare it favorably to the final Dirty Harry movie, The Deadpool. Okay. I would also say Chuck Norris's Code of Silence would also work well with this one. And if you're looking for a good sci-fi buddy cop movie, Alien Nation. Oh, Alien Nation, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun one. That's that's a that, that's a decent comparison. Yeah, I like that. Which did become a very popular, well, not too popular, it only lasted one season, but a very well done TV series. That's right, USA, I believe, carried it. Nah, I think it was Fox. Oh, was it? Okay. I think it was one of Fox's early attempts at... Uh, because I believe it was 1989 it came out, so Fox was still new. And yeah, they would have definitely taken a chance on a show like that. Back in the days of like War of the Worlds. That was Fox, wasn't it? War of the Worlds was syndicated. So it was whatever, just like um, Star Trek The Next Generation, whatever local channel wanted to buy the package to air it. Oh, maybe Space Above and Beyond, or is that later? Space Above and Beyond was Fox, but I want to say that was a little further into the 90s. I hear that was a pretty good show. I could be wrong. I understand that was a pretty good show, but I never watched it. I've seen it. It was a good one. Oh, okay. I think it was just way too expensive for TV. It definitely seemed very well produced in that respect and seemed to be on for a long time. So, yeah, I figured it was pretty expensive. Um, Part of why I had a hard time believing it could be that good, because I'm like, it can't look that good. You know, I, I figured it had to have like Battlestar Galactica itis, where every scene was just you know kind of a flip <laughs> of the previous scene, and they just kept reusing the same footage over. It's been a while since I seen it, so it could have been, but it was a really well done show. Lots of action, um, almost the Starship Troopers TV series, where they would go from some episodes there, you know, in space combat, like you know, dog fighting in ships and other times it would, they were on, you know, fighting on the ground. That was the vibe I got was a Starship Troopers kind of vibe, yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, we'll close out with my weekly Magnificent Seven Degrees where I connect this week's movie to my favorite oh. movie, The Magnificent Seven. Uh, and this time around, it's going to be really easy. Really? Because... Uh, this was written and directed by Michael Crichton. Looker was written and directed by Michael Crichton. Yeah. And Looker starred James Coburn, who was in The Magnificent Seven. There you go. I... So, yeah, this is a movie that I remember seeing an awful lot when I first saw it on HBO. I'm pretty sure I recorded it on VHS and then watched it a ton and then kind of forgot about it because it's not a movie that's talked about an awful lot. Um, so it wasn't until it appeared, you know, years later, I was able to get the DVD through, um, Netflix. And, um, I, every time I've seen it, I think I've enjoyed it a bit more. And this time we watched it on Amazon prime where it's available now, if you have the service. This is definitely a fun underrated movie from the eighties that people, I think you'll enjoy it. Definitely check it out. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And we hope you join us next week. Have a good one. Take care.